charcuterie and crime, anyone? Join Queens of the Minds in our first live recording since the pandemic hit. Refreshments and goodies included with your $25 ticket for two package. This is a two-hour event held on June 27th in a top-secret Tuolumne County location. We will be recording two local stories involving indentured servitude. Not to mention that the ghost of Yosefa Sahovia paid us a visit at the last event. Send your $25 to at Queens of the Mines on Venmo or dollar sign Queens of the Mines on Cash App to reserve your two tickets today. The last day to buy tickets is June 23rd. 2021. Emma Nevada first received public applause at age five at the 1887 historic Gridley Sack of Flower Parade. It was the first national fundraising gimmick for a charitable organization. From the Comstock area to Sacramento, San Francisco, and then the East Coast, the project raised as much as $275,000, which is equivalent to $4.1 million today in 2021, for the Sanitary Commission, which was the forerunner of the American Red Cross. The Gridley Sack of Flower can be seen at the Nevada Historical Society in Reno. Queens of the Mines features the authentic stories of Gold Rush women who blossomed from the camouflaged, twisted roots of California. Today, we learn the story of the Comstock Nightingale. This episode previously was up for a little while, and then it was for Patreons only. I went to go make it public again, and I somehow deleted the file. So, here it is for you again. It was the spring of 1851 when Dr. William Wallace Wixom left Michigan for the goldfields of California with his wife, Maria Wixom. The family settled only 25 miles south of Downeyville in the hydraulic mining town of Alpha. Just a few months before the execution of the Queens of the Mines Queen of Revenge, Josefa Sahovia. Wixon had been the physician for the Alpha Diggins gold mine camp for eight years when his daughter Emma was born on February 25th, 1859. Emma was a toddler who loved to sing and adored the spotlight when the Wixom family moved to an eight-bedroom home in Nevada City on top of Nabob Hill on East Broad Street. At the Nevada City Baptist Church on Main Street, Three-year-old Emma was hoisted onto a table, wrapped in an American flag, and sang the Star-Spangled Banner for the congregation. Emma became popular among her townsfolk. Clad in a little gingham frock, standing on the doorstep of the Wixom's home, 
singing quaint old songs. The surrounding natives came from miles to hear the young girl sing. One Shoshone chief called her the songbird of the mountains. Emma held a deep admiration for the local natives and proved her adoration by learning to speak the indigenous languages of three nearby tribes. She was only 12 when her mother died. Her father, William, decided to send Emma to Mills Seminary, which is now Mills College in Oakland, California, for vocal training. The five-foot brunette, fair-skinned woman also studied German, Spanish, French, Italian, and sign language. Her peers considered her not too pretty, nearsighted, somewhat stout, and they thought she had questionable taste in fashion. Yet, they fondly remember sitting after dinner to listen to Emma sing, Listen to the Nightingale. She was generous, sweet-natured, and won the hearts of her teachers and classmates, who called her Little Wixie. When she performed, enthusiastic crowds came from Oakland and San Francisco to listen to her crystalline soprano voice. Her music teacher at Mills, Dr. Adriana Bell, planned to lead a group of young women from all over the country on a study tour of Europe upon graduation. Tragically, Abel died of heart trouble just before they reached Germany and the girls returned home to the States. Emma refused to go home. Determined to stay and get the education she desired, her father had been having unfortunate times financially and was unable to further give his daughter any assistance. She was alone in Paris, homesick, with more ambition than money. Friends from California and Nevada received word and sent funds to Emma, sustaining her for three years in Paris and Vienna, where she became a pupil of the noted and stern Madame Marchesi. Marchesi was the leading vocal coach of the era. She grew up in the likes of Beethoven. Emma progressed rapidly. When she was ready for the stage, her father, Dr. Wixom, came out to travel with her. On May 17, 1880, Emma Wixom debuted under her stage name, Emma Nevada, at Her Majesty's Theater in London, 37 years after Lola Montez was publicly called out there. Emma Nevada was a huge sensation. The Illustrated London News reported on May 22nd, Frequent applause and several recalls testified to the complete success of the young debutante. The next year, Milan. The following, Paris. From then on, Europe was hers. She joined Mapleson's Opera Company on a tour across the United States, the only time she sang on the opera stages of her native country. Emma had performed on stage for five years when her father suffered a stroke in 1885 and was paralyzed. He moved to Oakland where unfortunately he passed away. Emma was devastated. Dr. Raymond Palmer, an English physician, was named as her new manager. On the day preceding an evening performance, Miss Nevada says she does not talk, but whispers, only when completely necessary. She rises at half past seven, takes her bath, 
and a breakfast of tea and sirloin steak at half past eight. After mass, she takes a two-hour drive, followed by a one-hour walk, unless it was stormy. She insisted that fresh air and exercise was essential. She then dined at three, taking in a clear, strong broth, another sirloin steak with rice, baked potato, roast chicken, no salad. The meal was concluded with stewed plums or baked apples with cream and one good glass of red wine from Bordeaux. She then slept for two hours, rose again, and dressed at home. Emma Nevada would arrive at the theater five minutes before the curtain rises. After the show, Miss Nevada would indulge in a meal of beef and broth soup and one beer. Enthusiasm bordering on lunacy at San Francisco's Grand Opera House, read the March 24, 1885 morning paper. Emma was on her first American tour, performing for sold-out crowds throughout the country, and she was met with wild enthusiasm. After begging her new manager, Dr. Raymond Palmer, Emma was on her way to give a concert at the Baptist Church in Nevada City, where minors used to gather to hear her sing as a child. It was a big event for the area. Emma demanded to arrive by stagecoach, even though there was, by then, a train. She was a sentimental woman, and she desperately wanted to feel at home. As they neared Nevada City, men on horseback surrounded her stagecoach. Dr. Palmer, a city man, was in fear for their lives and too afraid to open the door for the men. Emma reached across and emerged halfway out the door. Hello, boys! The men who had come to escort her gasped in awe of her beauty. A handsome man in the group of riders caught Emma's eye and she watched him ride alongside the coach as the miners and the sheriff escorted her into town, guns ablazing. When she finally arrived, the townspeople gathered around, each person trying to have their moment with Emma. The handsome man from earlier took her hand and introduced himself as Duke Clayton. The sheriff quickly interrupted the meeting and warned her off. He was a known criminal and suspected of two murders that couldn't be proven. Are you enjoying the podcast? Please make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It's so important. If you'd like to contribute and be rewarded for it, check out the Patreon program on patreon.com slash queensofthemines. You can also make a one-time donation via Venmo to at Queens of the Mines. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Columbia Mercantile 1855. Columbia Mercantile 1855 is an 1850s style full service market, like a real grocery store, offering quality staples and specialties, local meats and poultry from MJ Farms, local blue oak farm fresh organic produce. There are vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free options. She stocks craft beer, local wines. There's even hardware, garden, home goods, antiques, and fine art. 
and it's always at fair prices, and the Columbia Mercantile 1855 accepts EBT. Columbia Mercantile 1855 is at 11245 Jackson Street in Columbia State Historic Park. Open daily from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Whether you need flowers for a wedding, funeral, prom, or everyday arrangements, Sonora Florist has your back. Since the early 1950s, our new sponsor, Sonora Florist, has provided beautiful flower arrangements for whatever the occasion is. In fact, they did my prom flowers when I was a kid. I think that was only like a couple years ago though. Their florists are skilled at creating unique floral designs that are sure to wow their customers. You can visit sonoraflorist.com or search Sonora Florist on Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram to learn more. For wedding florals, check out sincerelysonoraflorist.com to see the wedding work, read reviews, and book a consultation with one of the designers. Okay, back to the story. That night, Duke Clayton paced the street with his lantern. When he was absolutely sure no one was around, he entered the church where Emma was to perform the next evening. He tiptoed into the back room and heard the sheriff and Dr. Palmer enter. They were drunk. Duke found a trap door in the ceiling and hastily crawled in to hide as the men looked over the building, arranged their deal, drank more whiskey, and shot holes in the floor of the church. They were so preoccupied, they did not see Duke sneak out. Emma was a favorite of the European royalty and had sang many times for England's Queen Victoria and had recently received a gift, a diamond necklace valued at $100,000 as a token of admiration from her. Just a little side note, $100,000 in 2021 dollars would be $3.2 million. Palmer was worried about the necklace and asked her to take it off so the greedy miners would not see it. She placed it in a black velvet box on her vanity. The room was filling up with excited miners while guards stood at every entrance to the backstage where Emma was preparing in the mirror for the show. More excited than usual, she peeped into the audience as Duke Clayton lowered himself through the roof. Emma returned to her dressing room and saw that Duke was in there waiting for her. They were silent for a long time, looking at each other longingly. I wanted to see you in private. There was a knock on the door, and Clayton ducked behind it. Two minutes, Miss Nevada. Emma went for the door, locking eyes with Clayton before she followed her manager out. In the moment she was away, Duke opened the black velvet box and pocketed the necklace, leaving it empty on the vanity. When Emma returned, Duke was gone, and she sat down at the mirror. 30 seconds, Miss Nevada. Emma made a last-minute decision in rebellion of her manager to wear the necklace anyways and opened the box. Her heart sank. Empty. She closed the box just as Palmer entered to escort her to the stage. She said nothing. 
The show began and the rowdy miners removed their hats and silenced in the spectacular moment. At the show's conclusion, the townspeople lined up to give Emma flowers and kiss her hand, and one miner approached Palmer and the sheriff and told them he just saw Duke Clayton sneak out of backstage. Palmer worried right away about the necklace. Emma did what she could in an attempt to defend Clayton. The men got angry and had been quickly captured. They pushed Duke inside, storming the backstage, following Palmer, who was dragging Emma, demanding to see the necklace. Duke exchanged a heartbreaking stare with Miss Nevada. Her hands were trembling as she opened the box. She looked up to Duke. He looked at his feet. The diamonds, sparkling, were there on the black velvet. Everyone gasped. Clayton was released. As he said, I never could steal from a woman like you, Miss Nevada. Raymond Palmer noticed Emma's interest in Duke Clayton and quickly escorted her out of town. That same year, it became headline news when Dr. Raymond Palmer and Emma Wixom Nevada were married in Paris. The New York Times even reviewed her wedding. Ambroise Thomas, the French composer and teacher, gave the bride away. He was best known for his operas Mignon and Hamlet. The couple established their residence in Paris, where their daughter Mignon was born in 1886. Mignon's godparents were Thomas and her teacher, Marchese. It was a splendid year for the arts in Paris, the so-called banquet years. The family lived off one of the grand avenues radiating out from the Arc de Triomphe, only a few blocks from where Marchese had set up. They also had a country home north of Paris. Emma was a fencer and trained to maintain her physical stanima for singing opera. The Palmer's home became a frequent location for the parties and musical gatherings attended by European socialites of the time. Even during the gold rush, no one liked attorneys. This episode is brought to you by the law offices of Charles B. Smith. Are you facing criminal charges in California? The most important thing you can do is obtain legal counsel from an aggressive criminal defense lawyer you could trust. The law office of Charles B. Smith has effectively handled thousands of cases. Their criminal defense attorney has the knowledge and experience to assess your situation and help you build a strong defense against your charges. Their criminal defense attorney has the knowledge and experience to assess your situation and help you build a strong defense against your charges. The law offices of Charles B. Smith do not just defend cases, they represent people. Charles Smith has been certified as a legal specialist in criminal law by the California State Bar and has over 30 years of legal experience. He is uniquely qualified to handle your case as he is the only attorney in the area who has worked as a police officer, working up his way to inspector, a prosecutor, and a police officer's standards and training, or post-instructor, before becoming a defense attorney. As Charles is intimately familiar with the investigative techniques 
the police and prosecutors use, he is able to look at your case and see defenses that others can and do miss. So visit their website at cbsattorney.com. Servicing San Mateo, Sonora, and Jamestown. You know, for when you come on vacation and leave on probation. We are also proud to introduce to you one of our newest sponsors, the River Ranch Music Festival, held Friday and Saturday, August 27th and 28th, 2021. River Ranch started in 1999, and this will be the 21st year of this all-ages weekend of music, swimming, hiking, arts and crafts, vendors, and food. River Ranch Music Festival number 21 is brought to you by Nicholas Leffler Presents in association with Don't Call Me Mike Productions and it's held at the River Ranch Campgrounds at Basin Creek. Camping and parking is included with your ticket, and it's first come, first served. Tickets are currently priced at $45 for a weekend pass, and increase from there as each price tier is limited. Advanced tickets available online at yapsody.com. That is Y-A-P-S-O-D-Y dot com. You can also find the River Ranch Music Festival on Facebook for the link. Tickets are guaranteed at the gate for $60 each for a weekend pass, and children 12 years and younger are free. This year's festival is presented in memory of two of the legends of our local music scene, Mountain Fernandez and Max DeLacy. May you both rest in peace. Royal Medina Hotel, Isle of Wight. July 26, 1899. My dearest Mrs. Mills, it was always my dream to sing before the Queen of England and I remember the happy school days at Mills when I made my little plan. One of my goals was that one day I would sing at the court of St. James and last night the dream was realized. I received a command from Her Majesty who had never heard me to go to her, to Osborne. We have been her guests since the day before yesterday, and last night I had the honor and delight of singing for her. I could not restrain my tears as I stood before the great queen and noble woman. When I had finished my second song, she called me again and said, It is beautiful, wonderful. I will tell you her exact expressions because I know it will interest you. Her Majesty asked me if I was not an American, and I proudly answered that I was from California, and I almost said from Mills Seminary. I wrote in the Queen's birthday book, and she presented me with a decoration which consists of her monogram set in diamonds, pearls, and turquoise surmounted by a crown in red enamel, gold and diamonds. It was after 11 when we took leave of Her Majesty. We were conducted by the master of the household to a private dining room where supper was laid for us. It was past midnight when we left the palace in the royal carriage which was brought for us, and we soon now leave for London. It was a happy sight, and I felt as we drove away from the palace, I wondered if I should see the queen again. She's 80 years old, and who knows how long God will spare her for us. She looks well and still works every night from 11 to 1 in the morning. 
She is as bright as ever and looks as if she may live many years yet. We have had a remarkably bright season. We have almost decided to go to America this winter. Shall know in a few days. Of course we shall go to California in case we decide to go to America. I'll send love to you and my dear California friends, your ever-loving and grateful child, Emma Nevada Palmer. Emma briefly returned to the National Hotel in Nevada City in 1902 and gave her last American concert, met with ovations and tears. There was another concert appearance in Berlin, and soon after, she retired from her brilliant operatic career, with the one exception of singing at the coronation of George V in 1910. Emma then retired to a private life in London, and she spent the rest of it teaching singing. This included mentoring her own daughter, Mignon Palmer, who became an operatic star in her own right. Nevada wrote about her teaching techniques in the Ladies' Home Journal, March 1906 edition. An important part of singing is simplicity in dress and also in the arrangement of the hair, but only part of it. The voice is the main thing. Believe me, when a singer is simply and tastefully gowned, her listeners will find out more about the good qualities of her voice than if she appears in a gorgeous creation. Emma Nevada, the Comstock Nightingale, died in Liverpool, England on June 20, 1940, at the age of 81. She is buried there at St. Peter and St. Paul Churchyard. Her father, mother, and brother are buried at Mountain View Cemetery in Oakland at the Chapel of the Chimes Mausoleum. Today, you can see the Emma Nevada House in Nevada City that recalls a long-ago era and a legend. While visiting, you can walk down the street to pass the Eagle Theater, where she once performed, as well as the National Hotel. Both still remain. Queens of the Minds was written, produced, and narrated by me, Andrea Anderson. You can find the links to all of our social media at queensoftheminds.com. Banjo Picking by my good friend, J.D. Wilkes of the legendary Shack Shakers. Queens of the Minds is looking for sponsors and advertisers. New and old episodes are being downloaded every day. If you are interested in supporting the continuation of Queens of the Minds, reach out to us via the link on queensoftheminds.com.